Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast, produced by the Small Biz Thoughts Technology Community, with your hosts, Amy Babinchek, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast, and I'm joined today by a super longtime friend, Jim Roddy. Uh, Jim is the Vice President president of sales and marketing for the Retail Solution Providers Association. He's been an active member of the channel since 1998, including 11 years as president of Business Solutions Magazine, which is where I first met him, Uh, six years as RSPA board member and one term as RSPA chairman of the board, and several years as a business coach for VARs, ISVs, and MSPs. Jim is regularly requested to speak at industry conferences, and he's the author of Hire Like You Just Beat Cancer. Welcome, sir. Carl, it is great to cross paths with you again. It's been far, far too long. I know. So, uh, of course, you run events when you can. So I'm assuming no more events the rest of this year. (laughs) Yeah, the only one that I think some folks still have hope for is uh, MJ BizCon, uh, which is a show about the cannabis industry, and that's all the way in December. That's the only one I have people still making plans for, but uh, most everything else is on ice, yes. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I know several people who think that they're going to do events in October, and I have bought my airline tickets in case it happens, but we shall see. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So, so for folks who are in my core audience who may not do a lot with retail, tell us about uh, RSPA and kind of what – What do you do and and what's the organization all about? Sure. No, happy to do that. So RSPA stands for, like you said, Retail Solutions Providers Association. And so it's North North America's largest community of VARs, software developers, vendors, and distributors who play in what we call the greater retail space. And the three main verticals underneath that are retail, restaurants, and then the grocery C-store vertical. And so those kind of companies who are serious about growth in those markets are part of our community. So we have a lot of small resellers who join because we have a legal counsel who they're able to rely on for free uh, legal advice. They also, as you know, dealing with a lot of small businesses over the years, they kind of feel like they're alone. And so this gives them a community uh, to lean on. And then we have a lot of ISVs who try to get strategic partnerships uh, or they try to build their channel uh, and they do that through the RSPA. And then, of course, the vendors and distributors are there because the VARs and the ISVs are there. So that's kind of how our whole community works together. We have a long list of services and benefits as well, but it's all founded on that community and folks leaning on each other and learning best practices from each other. So what does the um, average member look like? They provide services, they sell point of sale systems, they might sell credit card processing. Uh, Good question. I'd say yes to all of the above. So about 70% of our members would uh, classify themselves as VARs or um, resellers, or some of them are ISOs. So those are the folks who would just sell more payment processing, maybe a little bit light POS. But the main solution provider, uh, now we're really starting to see a shift, as you and I have talked about for years, to the total solution provider, where they are coming in instead of just in the old days it used to be, they were cash register dealers. They take care of the cash register and the things that go around that. But now what we're starting to see is a lot of them sell the total solution, the all-in-one point of sale system, the peripherals that come off of 
that, including the receipt printer and the cash drawer. Now they're in with the networking. The networking ties into the digital signage. Uh, the network ties in with the whole credit card processing and online ordering and online reservations and menu management and website management. And so it is now completely spread out where before it was whatever you saw when you first walked into the store, you know, the 20, first 20 feet or so. Now it's everything that goes inside of uh, that, again, retail or restaurant establishment. And are they doing things like the uh, IoT management of freezer cases and inventory and whether or not people opened the case or turning the lights on and off when you walk by and any of that kind of stuff? So they can, and I'd say some people do, but that hasn't quite made its uh, way downstream as much, right? When you know as you're selling into a small, um, you know, one uh, one location merchant or even a multi-location merchant, it's not some national thing, they're not going to invest the money in well, I don't need IoT to monitor my freezer. I just know when the door is open, right? Because I'm here all the time. So uh, some of those devices, some of those devices are on the horizon, but again, they haven't trickled down right to the SMB community. Uh, the big things that we're seeing now, especially with COVID going on, uh, the biggest trends are contactless payments, right? Instead of doing cash handling or swiping credit cards, it's just a contactless or, or paying online. Uh, that's a big one, and then online ordering has really skyrocketed. We have a lot of folks um, who offer that service as, either as an add-on or that's the sole thing that they do. And they are um, cr crazy busy uh, at this point. So do you have like member forums and meetings and places for members to get together and talk about the stuff they're going through during COVID? Uh, we do. So um, we have physical events, two a year. Um, Typically, in a typical year, uh, non-2020 year, uh, we have an annual trade show called Retail Now that attracts about 2,000 folks uh, who play in this industry or who are interested in this industry. We have a winter conference that draws around 200, and that's more executive level, and that's always in a nice location scheduled for Hawaii next year, February 9th through 12th. Uh, but we also do have, like, uh, we have uh, a niche and startup ISV community, where it's all software developers coming together every six weeks or so, talking about their challenges. We have a Canadian community, women to women. Uh, we have Next Gen, uh, which is kind of the up-and-coming folks. We also have a strategic technology uh, solutions committee, a marketing committee, where folks come and talk marketing. So, yeah, there is the general community, and then the Places underneath. And in addition, we've hosted a lot of roundtables, uh, almost on no notice and attracted, you know, a couple hundred folks uh, to those just talking about how are you making your way through uh, this COVID crisis. We're going to continue those for the rest of the year because folks want to get together and lean on each other, uh, well, but there's no I trade mean, shows to do that. If I were to list the people who have been most obviously affected by this, I would make a list of people I'd say, retail, uh, restaurants, and probably grocery. Right? Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. So those are like the groups that you serve. And they, like, especially if your entire business was restaurants, this is a year you're going to want to forget as quickly as possible. <laughs> 100%. Yes. And that's what one thing that we've seen. So I have pushed for years, and I know uh, we've talked to a lot of folks about having that vertical expertise, and I still agree with that. But the one thing that we saw is if you only, if you had all your eggs in the restaurant basket, 
like you said, 2020 is just an absolutely devastating year for you. But like I, I talked with one reseller, mostly in restaurants, but he said his business is actually doing okay. I'm like, how could that possibly be? And he said, well, I also have a solution that is for a lot of beer distributors. And so liquor sales were through the roof and it kind of helped offset to a degree uh, the restaurant right. folks. And so anybody who was balanced where they could be experts in restaurants and experts in grocery or C store, they were balanced out to this thing. So that kind of shaped my thinking of be an expert, you know, in your vertical, but don't, that doesn't mean you only have to limit yourself to one vertical. You can have another division or essentially to, to grow your business that way. Well, it's also the case in any industry, if you're at the absolute top of your game, then when the industry is hit, you will have less effect than, you know, the people who are in the great middle or certainly in the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're easily disposed of, that's one thing, but a lot of these technologies have opportunities for recurring revenue. And that means there's still a monthly fee, there's still maintenance that needs to be done, they're still checking on things. There's also a certain nimbleness that, you know, there were restaurants that instantly said, okay, so we're gonna fire up our truck in the parking lot and we can't, do, you know, we can't go to you, but you can come to us. And, uh, you know, I, I personally uh, never used DoorDash until, you know, <laughs> right. two weeks ago. Right. Well, that's the one thing. This is really, a lot of our uh, members are saying, this is changing the restaurant industry permanently. Because before, like you said, you never used DoorDash. The thing I said is a lot of people realized, I thought only pizza and Chinese food were what got delivered. Like really right. other things can get delivered. And since the pandemic has gone on for so long, you know, it's two, three, four months, folks have had an opportunity to download the apps, right, to build up a habit. And they found out what food is can be delivered and still tastes good and what doesn't. And so that's really changed and so the solution providers that we saw were really strong trusted advisors they introduced to their restaurants and to their you know retailers again restaurants got got hit the hardest the whole online ordering concept about that can actually increase your revenue right because there are certain people who do not want to come in and sit down at your restaurant and so those who were set up for that were helped out. And then we also had a lot of folks learn they thought they were a trusted advisor, but we heard from folks that said, unless your merchant called up, unless your customer called up and said, what should I do? You're not a trusted advisor, right? If you had to go chase them down, they <laughs> oh, were not true. leaning on you. And so it was very interesting to hear the folks who said, yeah, we were inundated with phone calls from our customers just saying, tell me what to do. And that is just, again, that's where the rubber hits the right. road in terms well, of trusted advisor. Part of that is you know, I always talk about doing technology roadmap meetings. I mean, you have to engage in what will become a never ending conversation with your clients. And when you do that and something happens, you're the one they call. And if you don't do that, uh, you know, start as soon as the pandemic's over <laughs> or start today. But, you know, you don't know the day nor the hour, right? A hundred percent. And we're seeing a lot of folks did that, like you said, beforehand, those roadmap meetings. Some of them even did it during it because somebody said, hey, we're shut down. I, this is my opportunity to talk about what do you think we should do and let's map this out because we're planning on coming back. So there's always opportunity for you uh, if you're operating upline. You know, if you're just providing a commodity, as you know, people you know, will just shrug their shoulders and, and brush you off. But if you're providing real knowledge and direction to help their business thrive, and in this case, survive, you're, you're valuable to them. So uh, in any downturn of any, whether it's a, just one industry or the entire economy or whatever, there's always a handful of people who seem to be 
sitting on the sidelines with cash, waiting to either buy new technology or uh, basically invest themselves so far ahead of their competition that uh, it makes it harder for their, their competition to catch up even when the economy improves. Uh, is there anything like that going on in the retail space that you know, you're able to see people like making these investments? We have. Uh, we've heard stories from our members who are saying, uh, especially restaurants and retailers who were super, super busy. And they said there were some overhauls that they wanted to do or refreshes, but there was never a good time to do it. They were like, now is the best time to do it. There's nobody in our location. Nobody's allowed in our location. It's a great time for you to come in as a uh, service tech and let's overdo, uh, let's overhaul what we had planned on doing. So we did see, is there a groundswell of that? No, but were there some opportunities for that? Absolutely. And I can think back to one of our ISV community calls, like right when the pandemic hit, it was already regularly scheduled call and we were supposed to talk about two topics, but it was all COVID stuff. And other folks would said, I've been through crises before and now is the time to innovate. And so uh, one of our solution providers who has uh, something where they put it up in the store and they do heat mapping and people counting and they can do analytics based on that, they reformatted what they did to now be able to tell based on your cell phone. It doesn't get private information, but the pings of the cell phone are folks social distancing. Is your retail establishment laid out in an appropriate way that folks won't congregate? And then it produces, you know, essentially error reports. And so you can look back and see, okay, do we have a pattern? You could also see if folks are congregating, the store manager can get an alert and go over there and say, hey, people break this up. Again, in February, nobody would have thought that was worth anything. Right. right. That solution exactly. mattered nothing whatsoever. But <laughs> folks said now is the time to innovate. And they rolled that. They turned that thing around in probably four or five weeks and uh, started doing installations and test trials and and getting a ton of traction with that. So That's we're seeing things that run the gamut. That's exactly the kind of thing where you could just say, you know, based on the, the you know, say five, five feet and under six feet, seven feet and over. Mm -hmm. You could just have a red orange green light kind of situation mm -hmm. for, for a store. It's also something that it sounds like it's pretty low cost to implement. So it's not like the IOT where you got to go invest in thousands of uh, devices to be installed and monitored. That is correct. They even had a solution for, because I thought, boy, this is be for a large, you know, big box retailer. But what about for the smaller folks? And they said, oh, yeah, we have a package that only has two stations and it monitors everything in the store. And so it goes all the way down, uh, you know, to the one location retailer or restaurant to be able to, to monitor those things. It's also anything from a liability standpoint. Right. So if somebody goes into a store and catches COVID, they can say, I'm suing you as the store. But if you're able to say, hey, we took all these precautions, including this technology, um, they think that's really going to have an impact. And also, once we get through this crisis, the CDC is not going to go, OK, everybody back to normal. Right. They're going to say, here are some of our guidelines going forward. And they're planning on adjusting um, what they're doing going forward. And I should give credit where credit to do. So it's a company called Fast Sensor. Uh, all one word and they are an RSPA member. And uh, again, they've really done a good job adapting uh, as, as have a lot of other members as well. Fast sensor. So maybe you'll send me a link to that. Yeah, I will do uh, that. And um, so, so one of the things that strikes me is, and you know, you have a community, right? So you, you had a community before this started. <clears throat> are, do you have meetings where people can talk about this stuff weekly, monthly, quarterly, like 
How did they communicate online and stay in touch during all this? Uh, good uh, question. So one thing that we've run into is in the initial early shock phases, everybody wanted somebody to talk with, right? And so when we sent out, we put together, we developed our own COVID-19 uh, crisis resource center. So we have our, our legal counsel. Again, that's one of the benefits that we offer, where if you're an RSP member, you can have unlimited phone calls to the legal counsel and bounce questions off them or emails off of them. You can imagine how busy the legal counsel was uh, as, as this first started. And so we had a lot of folks in the early stages who everything got shut down and they were just looking to find out what's going on because they felt completely blind. But then we went for a period of time, I'd say, especially through May, where even if we did call a roundtable together, people would say, I'm too busy because they were all doing online uh, ordering and, and in con contactless payments and doing all sorts of installations uh, like that. So for going forward, we are starting some additional roundtables. We also have a member directory so they can actually access each other via email and they can reach out that way, or we do warm introductions all the time. So we try to react where they are when they needed content. We were producing uh, an incredible amount of podcasts, videos, blog posts and a lot of those blog posts based on the community. And then we do have some group interactions, but a lot of these things are we set people up with one another and they can have conversations and really stay close. So let me uh, be a little more personal. So how about you and your organization? Have you seen your um, staff <laughs> in the last three months <laughs> or is everybody working from home? Uh, it's all been a uh, video conference. We were supposed to get together in late March in our office. Our uh, headquarters are in Charlotte and we have uh, some of the folks are in Charlotte, but most everybody else is scattered around the country. We're all supposed to get together, but um, yeah, no, everything has been done. We do a lot virtually anyway, but everything has had to be done uh, from a virtual standpoint. Really, really changes the dynamic, no doubt. Yeah, I guess. So um, obviously no big summer conference. Uh, do you think that you'll be back in the swing in 2021? Uh, we're absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're planning on it. Uh, we need um, the numbers obviously to go down from the, I mean, you watch the charts, I'm sure all the right. time and we make our decisions in the, you know, number one is the safety of our members and of our staff. And so that's why uh, we canceled our 2020 show that was scheduled uh, to be out in Vegas, uh, but we're all systems go for our Inspire Executive Conference, again, February in Hawaii. And then we're planning uh, next year, Retail Now is going to be in Nashville. So uh, we're sure that shows are going to look different going forward. We've seen a lot of videos like that. Um, and I think a lot of folks are going to be embracing technology as well in order to make sure that you now have a real show that's augmented with some virtual component as well. It, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Foreman or whoever runs, you know, the, the events uh, management within some of these big sites, wonder if they will have new technologies, you know, like they always want to sell you the little key fobs so that you can collect uh, leads and so forth. But, you know, whether they will have a social distancing uh, app or some such. So it'll be an interesting world <laughs> we, it, we emerge back into. It's funny because we've talked about technology needs to like play into how humans behave. This is trying to stop humans from how they naturally behave, right? Like we're used to walking up to people, shaking their hand and talking to them. Well, now you're going to have to have something that tells you that you're too close together, which to me is just really, really unusual. I'm curious to see how our industry shows, like for example, NRF, National Retail Federation, has a show every year at the Javits Center in 
New York City. And I will say it was weird when they were sent up the Javits for the COVID patients, like all the walls were what they use for the co little conference rooms up there. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's weird to see those walls. But that show every year takes up the entire Javits Center packed both both floors. I'm curious how shows like that are going to adapt when they just don't have any other space and you're not going to be able to meet outside in January in New York City. So I'm really curious to see how those biggest of the big shows that are already occupying every square foot of a building uh, really go from there. It seems like the smaller ones could just rent more room and spread out a little bit, but uh, really mm -hmm. curious to see how that how that adjusts over time. Like the ASCII group, they can just get, I think, the next ballroom over and spread out right. a little bit. Well, it, but that's exactly the kind of thing of, Will every event, this is kind of what I think about with restaurants, will, will every restaurant be half as profitable given the fact that they can only use every other table? You know, will every conference be twice as expensive because they have to have two ballrooms instead of one? You know, and it's sometimes they like push the limits like, oh, you know, it says 168 on the wall. So by God, we're going to get 168 people in here, which you realize there's no way. No, right. <laughs> um, so now, now you open up the next room and now there's like 300 square feet and you're like, ah, you know, maybe I don't need all that. So. Yeah. Yeah. It'll really be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. And the restaurants are going to have to make sure, and this is where the solution providers have an opportunity. Hey, if you can only get so many people in your restaurant, you better have a really slick uh, frictionless um, solution for folks to be able to order online get delivery, curbside pickup, you've got to make sure you do that because if you don't have that avenue, you are limiting yourself to only half the revenue. Is there technology that, uh, you know, average people like me haven't seen yet that I will see when the restaurants open again? Yeah, it should be very simple. Like you said, the Uber Eats and the DoorDashes, those are like kind of the national services, but there are all sorts of additional providers um, who do those things, but they more white label them. So instead of using like, ooh, look, what's this new technology? You go onto your favorite restaurant website and it'll have a really slick online ordering uh, opportunity, or you'll just do things on your phone and it could be through a separate app or it could be through the app of that restaurant or it could be through that uh, website. I'll uh, give some kudos to another uh, member of ours. It's called Soup, S-O-O-P. And what they do is online ordering. They did this before the pandemic. Online ordering, and it's all based on text messages. So you don't need an app or anything like that. You just get the you know, the number to text to for your restaurant, you just type out what you want, like you and me, hey, Carl, pick me up a pizza, you know, with uh, extra cheese and some pineapples. And they have figured out how to morph that into the menu, send it back, you go and pay for it, and, and I'll go from there. So you're going to see, I think, more things like that and more consumers taking advantage of stuff like that. But it should seem seamless to the normal consumer. It shouldn't be like you have to get some tutorial in order to figure out how to order food or order from an, uh, you know, an online retailer. Right. And what about the, you know, there's the, the technology in restaurants with, you know, something at my station, something at my table where they, they've been forever trying to get me to order there and pay there. And like, it's almost like they don't want me to interact with their help. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I am always the kind of person I'm like, I tip well, because I know that the help is not well paid. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to interact with the help and give them my card and all of that. Uh, will we see more of those devices that sort of get rid of, <laughs> get rid of the help interface? I 
So there are uh, certainly a lot of pay at the table solutions. Um, like up in Canada, you can only pay uh, at the table. Now a server does come over and hand you the actual device and you dip your credit card uh, in there, but we're seeing far more pay at the table, uh, whether it is a, uh, a system that's sitting there that you just scan your own card, or we're also starting to see where you could have an app that you're able to pay you know, at the table, almost like, you know, when you're Uber, you know, you already have an account filled up. Right. We also have seen where people have QR codes at the table. You go and scan that and you're able to pay using your phone um, that way. And so part of what they're doing is they're trying to turn tables as fast as they can. And it slows down when you're waiting and you have to give your card and waiting for them to come back. And they're running around to a lot of different uh, tables. There's also the security concern of, wait, I'm giving my credit card to somebody. They're going in the back and they disappear. Well, that's um, the part where Canada's more like uh, Europe and Australia and other places where they haven't, like you haven't given up your card for years. Like that's mm -hmm. a very, almost a weird American thing that somebody would take your card and go where you can't see them and <laughs> yes, uh, copy it and whatever. Um, so, but but I noticed like my dry cleaners or, you know, places where I get my shirts clean, uh, they got a new point of sale system, including the, the credit card system, maybe in September, October. Um, and it's got the symbol for the wireless, you know, scanning. Um, but every time I try to use it, it doesn't work. And, and finally, the last time I went in, uh, she said, oh, just touch right there. And I said, oh, you finally got it working. And she said, yeah, uh, I didn't think that we had it. But then so many people asked about it yes. that I asked the guy who installed it and he uh, made sure that it was hooked up and working. So she had this technology. She just didn't know it. So, <laughs> right. Well, and part of she didn't know it and consumers weren't really asking for right. it. Right. But now consumers are like, I don't want to touch anything. And so now they're asking for it. And so they're turning to their solution providers to say, is there a way for me to have contactless payments? And it's like, oh yeah, it's already in there. You don't have to get anything new. You just have to be able to do this. Oh, who knew? But yeah, that is definitely more consumer uh, demand. We're also seeing those pay at the table since there is no table to pay at now, you know, with uh, the whole COVID crisis, they're adapting and seeing how can you pay at the curb um, and how can you adapt the solution that way? So again, a lot of folks, there, there's some folks in the industry um, who, you know, when a crisis happens, they crawl under their desk and just curl up and say, I'm going to wait for this to pass. And there are a lot of folks who say, how can I innovate? How can I transition my business? It's been really heartwarming to see how many folks are doing that. We did a survey uh, every year. We do a POS channel KPI study. So we find out what are sales rates, profit margins, how much recurring revenue are they doing? So we also have, you know, what happened last year? What do you predict for this year? Well, our report came out in early March. Here's the predictions for 2020. Well, two weeks later, it was like, you can kind of throw those numbers right. out. So <laughs> in May, we, uh, we redid the prediction portion of it. And one data point we asked was during the pandemic, did you pick up any new products? And over 50% of our members who took part of the survey more than 50% of them said they added a new vendor or and or added a new product or multiple products to their line card during the pandemic to sell. Not like I want to do it, but actually did. 40% came up with brand new bundles. So it was great to see so many folks who were actually adapting and trying to morph and try to really take care of their customers. You know, it's funny. Uh, that uh, refresh of that information is what prompted me to send you an email and say, hey, how come you're not on my show? And you're like, 
I already filled out the form. I've been waiting. <laughs> so I certainly appreciate that. Um, so it is great to know that, you know, maybe because we're in the technology side of the business that uh, technology is helping people to actually not just survive, but actually to make some progress, move in the right direction. You know, you can't stop things from changing, but sometimes the change comes in these little spurts that you, <laughs> you got to get your arms around. So, Right. And I have one uh, solution provider said, you know, hey, like I've always liked my job, but it has brought a new level of meaningfulness to it. Right. Because they said before, I'm like, hey, prevent theft and operate more efficiently. And, uh, you know, all those kind of things that businesses need. But now he says, with offering online ordering and curbside pickup, I am keeping people in business. I'm keeping people employed like their family, second, third generation restaurant or retailer. If it wasn't for the technology I was providing, they would have to shut the thing down permanently. And they're like, boy, I, to see, you know, to be able to keep my employees going and to be able to keep these businesses going, like really, really gratifying at this point. So yeah, very important role that solution providers play on a regular basis, but even more so in this crisis. Right. Well, you know, there's this term of whether or not uh, you're, you're a required business, right? Right. Or you're, you're an essential business. Um, I think it is gratifying to know that technology has stepped up, that, you know, people, without people being able to help others get connected to Zoom and teach online and run their businesses online and all of this, like we, I wouldn't say we're heroes, but we certainly stepped up and proved that we are a valuable piece of what it takes to make businesses run in the 21st century. Amen, 100%. Yeah, technology providers are essential to keeping our economy, to keeping our way of life uh, moving forward. Very good. Well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate you as always. And uh, we should probably reschedule something and then we'll make sure that it happens sooner rather than later. That, uh, that would, would be love great. To, uh, love to connect with you at least one more time this year and just kind of check in on how things are going. Uh, fantastic. The, the one thing is, you know, scheduling is way easier now because you don't have to say where are you traveling to, right? Everybody's like, well, seeing as I'm at home, no conflicts. So yeah, reach out to me anytime. You, I'm always available. It's a quick hop to Hawaii from here. It's a <laughs> five-hour flight. It's super easy. So Wonderful. No, great talking with you, Carl, and look forward to talking with you again. All righty. Thank you, sir. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.